Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, hello. Welcome to Hardcore Listing with Chris and Stu. Chris here. Doing the intro for this week's guest, that being Lee Hurst. You might remember Lee from back in the day um, on the sports panel of They Think It's All Over. Lee's a comic. He's been running the Backyard Comedy Club now uh, for basically the last 20 years. We caught up with Lee just before one of his new gigs, uh, the local comedy club, which he's setting up in different places across the country. Sittingbourne, Faversham, Herne Bay. We caught up with him in Greys, but there's loads of them. You can check them out, leehurst.com. Um, where he's putting on comedians all over the shop and it's a lot of fun. Lee had a stinking cold, but he still found 30 minutes to have a chat with us. It's not a top five, it's just a catch up with a comic that we found very funny and still do. His show that night was really good. Stu got a chance to catch it. Um, We talk about the use of council venues and theatres, their importance and the fact people should make the most of them um, because they're getting closed down these days. Uh, we also talk about, com- you know, obviously comedy events, gigs, Lee's sort of like story, how he started out, uh, writing jokes, you know, jokes being sto- stolen, alter- he's interested in alternative comedy, you know, and how he ended up on The Late Show as well. And um, we also talk about, you know, where Lee enjoys performing most and, and watching gigs. He talks about stadium gigs as well and, and interesting things about timing and, and stuff like that. So it was good to catch up with Lee. Um, it was a shame we only had 35 minutes. We got on really well. Um, so Lee, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you can go and find out a lot of what Lee's up to at www.leehurst.com. Com, dot com. Um, Lee Hurst is L-E-E-H-U-R-S-T dot com. I'm sure she keeps telling me it's H-I-R-S-T. I don't know, it's confusing, but if you go to H-U-R-S-T, you will see Lee's website. Um, so enjoy it. We'll catch you soon, folks. Um, peace out. Oh, quick shout out to 76, our producer, Brad Acton, our camera, Gimp, um, and the rest of the Distraction Pieces Network. And also to our lovely sponsors, Love Beer who hook us up with all the best sorts of beer and you should check out our podcast with our mate Charles because they're fucking awesome and uh, give you a lot of inspiration for places you can go for a couple of days to we'll drink a lot of lovely beer and um, see that see the English countryside so cool catch you soon peace it's a drunken soiree in the within
Chris and Stu present Our Core Listing, the podcast. Well, well, welcome to Our Core Listing, you alright? I'm very well, thanks mate. I've been with you all day. You have? Yeah, Still I don't me. know why we're talking like we've yeah, just bumped yeah. into each other. I'm sick excited, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm still wondering why you're both naked, but... <laughs> we're wondering why you're not. <laughs> um, so I guess today's Lee Hurst. How you doing, mate? You alright? I'm alright, mate. Bit cold ridden, but we're getting there, we're getting there. Oh, we're, um, we're backstage at the, the Thameside Theatre in Grace, which is my hometown. Yeah. And, uh, and it's the opening night you're on a comedy club here. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's something I've started called the local comedy club. I've got my backyard comedy club in, in Bethnal Green, uh, where I'm from originally. Yeah. Um, but I moved down to Kent. Uh, we got a place here a few years ago. We moved like officially, finally, last year. And, um, sorry, two years ago. And... Uh, it's all got out of hand, basically. <laughs> I, I, I was doing park run in Sittingbourne on a Saturday morning. One week, a woman made an announcement, we're, raising, we're going to raise money for a defibrillator. As I'm leaving, I was chatting to this woman I've met while I've been running there, and she said, oh, I'm going to give him a tenner. I said, do you know the woman who runs it? She said, yeah. I said, give him my number. There's a little theatre in Sittingbourne. I'll put on a show for nothing, raise yeah. money for a defib. Um, anyway, she gave my number to another guy who had another venue, um, and then it just turns out that the defib got paid for anyway, they raised the funds. But I thought, well, I'll go and have a look at this other venue. And I go in there and they said, um, oh, we're looking to put on stand-up comedy. We'd love to put on stand-up comedy. Um, I just went to look at it because I thought, well, if it's a venue, sort of 250 plus, as they'd said, I might just do a little tour date there because it's 10 minutes away yeah, from home. Yeah. Happy days. But when they said they wanted, they like to get stand-up going, I said, well, I'll put on a show for you instead rather than me do a tour show because it's a one one show done mm. and um, so I did that and that one sold out in a weekend and then we put another one on sale that sold out by the following weekend then we put a third one on sale and as I monitored the sales I saw there was nothing being sold to anybody in Faversham we, we lived All between right. the two towns so I found a venue there and sold that one out in two weeks then um, I found this place and um, this one sold out in I think about about 48 hours yeah. as well and the second one's on sale for the 24th of Feb and I've got one going on in Herne Bay uh, which is the biggest one so far it's not sold out yet but um, I've also got one sold out in Chelmsford and it's just getting out of hand I'm supposed to be retired <laughs> it's good though because yeah. like, there's never really been much comedy in Grace it's like and it just kind of gets forgotten and this, this building that we're in now it's such an institution in Grays, and um, unfortunately, you know, from what you hear, is they're they're trying to shut it. Yeah, um, you get that a lot with places now, because I think under the, I think there's a various theatres under the council's auspices, yeah, 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 yeah. and the other ones are bigger than this one, so maybe that's the deal. I well, don't to, know. To, to explain to people who obviously don't know the, the the venue, we're on the top floor, which is a theatre, and below that is a registry office, yeah. and below that is a museum, and below that is the library. It's, it's an awesome way to use a council building. We, you know? we had a cheeky little look around the museum. Yeah, yeah. This, you know, I, I grew up in this, yeah. this, this town, so it's like, you know, it was, it was a stomping ground yeah. coming here and getting thrown out of the library every yeah. Saturday when yeah. you was a kid. For, tell tell uh, us why you kept getting thrown out. Well, you'd, be, you'd go and find the books on photography and hope to see a pair of nubbins. That's what you do when you're 13, isn't it? It's pre-internet. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and, and and it's it's you know the the libraries are being shut down everywhere, and it's a shame because it's a, the last kind of real hub of 
culture in, in, in yeah. Grace. Well, um, I, I mean, I, I, you know, obviously I don't know the local politics at all on that, mm. but who knows, maybe people will get behind it. Well, and, and Russell Brand's got there. behind it. Russell yeah. Brand's obviously a Grace boy, and he's, he's come down and, and, and spoke yeah. out about, you know, yeah. why you it shut up. such a... It's, it's, so, it's such a shame, because you get it happen around the country where, mm. you know, and a venue goes, and then there is nothing, you know, and I've said to people before, I remember years ago I did a gig in, in Staines, the old town art centre or whatever, yeah. and I said to them, if you don't hold on to this, you'll be, you'll, you'll know when it's gone, mm. you know. Yeah, I totally, think, because I've, then people, everyone has to sort of travel well, to London, and, and then, but also they, nice, but, but they take their money out of exactly, the area as yeah. well, so it's yeah. false economy for the yeah. local authority, it's like, you want to keep your local people spending your money locally. Yeah. And it spreads as well in regards to, you know, my, my, I mean, I've, done little shows here years ago and, and you know my kids have done dancing shows here and all the little kind of pockets of dancing groups and local theatre groups they're all then redundant of a venue yeah and, and so it, it's far more widespread you know it's, it's it'd be a shame to well the, the irony of it is there's a place called the Cube in Corby which is exactly this they've built a, a new venue I mean a few years old now mm. but it's exactly the same thing they've got a library there council offices and a theatre and when we drove up to it the first time it's quite a it's, it's a cube, that's hence the name, it's sat in the middle of its own car park. <coughs> and um, we just went, this is a great use of the building, you know, mm. it's got multi-purpose uses, people are going in there to deal with the council and then they're seeing stuff that's on and it brings them into the theatre. And it's just a shame, if, if they do let it go, it'll be a real shame, you know. I mean, some of the other venues I'm doing, they're not, they're not um, council run, they're, they're private venues, you know. Um, but yeah, they'll, they'll miss it if it's gone. And I say, people will spend their money elsewhere. And it's, you know, for me, wanting to go and see um, up-and-coming comedians, it, you know, generally would travel up to Bethlehem Green to, yeah. to your gaff and, yeah. and, and see them there. Well, no, this is, yeah, well, this is it. When I started selling tickets here, people coming here tonight are already on my mailing list yeah. from the club in, in Bethlehem Green. Mm. And uh, great for us that we can drag people in. But at the same time, I, I said to Dan, you know, I think... I want to take something to people now as yeah. well because not everybody can come in you know if we've got kids mm. it's a longer night to have to do the travel as well and that's why i called it the local comedy club was to just it, it, I, I said i wish i thought of that name when we yeah. opened the one in bethel green yeah. like 20 years ago because yeah. uh, it's just a cool little name you know um that's a long time you find that for ages haven't you yeah green, yeah it's 20 crazy. 20 years this year this september <coughs> so what over them 20 years like Comedy has become, uh, it, 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 as I see it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but as it's evolved, comedians now, some comedians, have become like rock stars, you know, playing the O2 and things like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's no way I could, even if I wanted to play the O2, yeah. I couldn't. I yeah. haven't got the profile yeah. any longer to do that. I had my time, say like 18, 17 years ago, whatever. Um, <coughs> what they're doing now it's it's a phenomenon I wouldn't call it comedy yeah you know um, I yeah. went along with um, Mickey Flanagan one yeah. night uh, to see Monty Python he invited me to go along yeah. he had tickets and I went along to the O2 never been there before and as I described it to a friend if, if I came here to see a show tonight like a theatre show whatever I would be sat in the audience and as as the punters are coming in my feet would start to twitch and I'd be thinking, oh, I'd love to get up and do 10 minutes. Mm. You know what I mean? When I went to the O2, I was looking at the engineering. <laughs> I was just looking up at the way it was built yeah. and thinking, wow, that's quite impressive. I had no compulsion 
to perform whatsoever. And from what I've been told, no one, repeat, no one on the circuit who does the O2 wants to do the O2. They do it for the money. Of course, yeah. yeah. And I'm sad to say that the punters, I think they're mugging themselves off because you're going to watch a guy or a woman, you know, perform. Yeah, perform, and you're going to go and watch them on a TV screen. It's like, just wait and buy the DVD. Exactly that. I went to to the O2 to watch Cold Frost Fight a long time ago. Um, And we paid a economic (coughs) amount of money, and I watched it on a screen. Yeah. And it's like, in this damn age, everyone's got an half-decent telly in their front room. Yeah. You can sit there, save yourself it's, 80 quid. There's something to say for atmosphere in that, but when it comes to comedy, like in those bigger venues, it loses it. So I oh. saw Mickey at the O2, right? And this is going way back, and I think he'd done his out-out thing that we'd watched, and we were it was splitting our sides, and we went, and we were really looking forward to it, and it wasn't really his delivery. It was just, I don't know, I prefer to see what, comedians... What, the enormity of the... Oh, yeah, I want to see him closer well, up, what, I guess. What, I what goes wrong was with, with comics when they go there, is like the, the technical side of it, very boring for anybody to see now, but the technical side is really simple. The, when the comedian speaks into the mic, they put delays on the speakers throughout the venue ah. so that the sound hits everybody. So the comedian's words hits every punter at the same time. Right. However, there is nothing they can do about the laugh that is traveling Back. towards the comedian. Yeah. So what happens is the comedian will start work, yeah, and they'll start getting a laugh, and they'll think they're getting a lazy laugh, but it's physics. The guy at the front is laughing the same as the guy at the back, but the guy at the back's laugh takes time to reach Travel. you because it has sound yeah. travels at yeah. certain speeds. So it elongates the laugh. Comedians have trained themselves to not tread on the laugh so that they don't talk over the laughter. So the comedian slows down. So what you end up seeing in an arena gig is a substandard performance what? by a performance. Because their timing's gone. And comedy, as we know, is about timing. So it, it's minuscule, it's minuscule, but it will have an effect on every yeah. comic. And they will automatically, the comic will slow themselves down because they think, I can't speak yet, they're still laughing. They're not, that laugh has, has expired. So when you it's just it, so about looking at a star, that yeah. star died. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly that, you know. It's crazy, because Kevin Hart did one, didn't <coughs> and, um, that was like, I don't know, he's hit the world record for the biggest size one. So I watched it, and I'm struck like they've got all these special effects. They've done a great job on it, and I'm kind but of it's like not stand up. I'm, I'm just, yeah. it's just not doing anything. You can, I mean, I've, the biggest I've played, I think, was just shy of 2000 when I was, you know, back in the day. Yeah. And but it was in a theatre that had stalls, circle, upper circle. So everybody's been brought yeah, into yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. know, um, another one where it was just shy of 2000 was a more modern theatre, and they were further away. And I preferred the other one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've played other rooms where there'd be like 1600, but it's long and narrow, so the people at the back are still quite a distance away. And the 2000 was better than 16. So it's not just about the numbers, it's the layout of the room, yeah. you know, uh, the geography of the room, if you will. And as I say, it's not something I would seek to do. I was asked the question several years ago, maybe nearly 10 years ago when this all first started. Mm. And as I said then, I said, I would rather play a thousand people 15 times than 15,000 people once. once yeah. Because if I'm going to enjoy it, I want to enjoy it 15 times. Yeah. And if the night I don't enjoy it happens to be the night I'm in front of 15,000, yeah. or the night yeah. I stiff yeah, yeah, yeah. is in front of 15,000, yeah, yeah. I could stiff one gig out of 15, 
and annoy a thousand people. But you, you stiff in front of 15,000 yeah. people, they're all annoyed. Yeah. Does, does it, t- when you're scoping out venues, does that become part of it, like looking at layout and well, it, how it all... Yeah, I mean, with this one here, I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't do a site visit on this one because it's a theatre, so I knew yeah. it'd be fine. Yeah. But other venues, um, I go and scope them out first to see the layout. Um, uh, I did with Herm Bay because it's... Um, What's that, <coughs> that Ken? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I did that one because it's a, it's a 500 capacity. It will be smaller because we're putting a stage on the floor rather than using a stage, which is immensely high. Uh, so it will reduce capacity and I've got another site visit with a technical guy next week but but this one being as it's a theatre mm-hmm. I know they know what they're yeah. doing so I didn't need to come here you know yeah. I've looked at some pictures online and it looked look great it's got red seating which is almost my favourite because it's just warm got, yeah. you know the, the blue's a little bit cold it's like a like, red track rather than a blue track for the Olympics <laughs> old school <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah it's just uh, as I say for me that stand up is about having that contact and these guys are doing it for the money and the ego there's an ego thing there as well uh, yeah. never been an issue ego's never been an issue yeah. for me yeah. money yeah i want to earn a living but yeah. yeah i could i've turned down big money gigs yeah. corporates because they sound like they're crap yeah and you know well i'm in that fortunate position that i've been able to do that but you know the sort of money these guys have made i don't know why they're doing it for the life of me, mm. I really don't. Um, there's almost an element of if I don't do it, that he'll do it, and it's mm. like, who cares? He's there that sort of competitiveness yeah. in, in the industry. It, there appears to be that. Mm. It's like, well, if I don't get a spot in there, somebody else will get a spot in there. It's like, well, so what? Mm. So what? Let them do it. Go, yeah, go and yeah, do yeah, a nice fine. venue and have fun. The whole point, the reason I got into stand up, was was I wanted to do a job that I enjoyed, yeah. and I enjoy it. I love it. Do you know what I mean? And and the beauty for me is I, I made my money. I'm not, a, 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 you know, I haven't got a flash car. My car's 12 years old. You know, I, mean, I bought it, you know, it still goes. Why am I getting rid of it? I'm not. And I, I love my little car, you know. And, um, and I'll, I'll change the front brakes myself. And uh, <laughs> I'm old school. But, um, but the, yeah, it's, it, it, I've been fortunate enough that I've made money. I was careful with money. I didn't spunk it away or anything. And so I can pick or choose. I can do this or not. Yeah. You know, and I said earlier in, the, in, in our chat that I am sort of retired. I retired at 40, to be honest with you, donkey's years ago. But I just do it for fun. Yeah. I do it for fun now. And you still get that boat you've got when you started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about, like, the other night I did a, a gig for a mate of mine in Bista, which was like a 250-mile round trip. And I only did it. It's 60 people in a room above a pub. I did it because he's a comic friend of mine, a guy called Andrew Bird, really good comic. He'll be doing some of these gigs for me. And... He's a lovely guy, and I love him and his wife, and I said, yeah, I'll do it. And I went there, and even though I was feeling rough still, because of what I've been going through recently, and I had to have a pit stop on the way. <laughs> I wasn't going to make that old journey without, without an, em- an emptiness uh, that was required. And, um, yeah, I went there, and I tried some stuff out. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And I just, I overran. I was supposed to do 30, I did 43. Uh, and I tried a couple of lines out. The, one of them worked perfectly. The second line I fluffed a little bit, but the concept's there. And you, you can't beat that buzz. When you've thought about it, you thought, hey, I think that'll work. You're walking the dog, you think, oh yeah, I think that'll work. Mm-hmm. And then you do it in front of an audience, singing a reaction, bang, yeah. and you're going, happy days. You know, and that's another thing about a lot of the names these days. They have writers, which is uh, it's anathema to me. Doesn't make any sense. Now, once once they go down that road, to me, they're actors. Yeah. They're, they're reading a script that's been provided for them. So yeah. it's not. I'm old school like that. Um, the circuit I came into, we we're all writer performers, and 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 that was it. And you I prob- still am. You probably said it a million times, but like getting in that circuit when you were younger, how, how did that sort of come about? Um, just the way other people do. I mean, initially, me and my mate, right back to the start. Did you grow up in Bethnal Green? Uh, yeah, you know, in Tower Abbey, yeah, like Stepney, Bethnal Green, Poplar. <coughs> and the last place I was there was Limehouse. Um, but uh, it was me and my mate from school, we submitted some stuff to TV, some sketches, like sketches and that, sold a couple of games here and there. Eating, <coughs> excuse his cough. <coughs> so well, that was just you and your mate titting around with some ideas, making yeah. each other laugh and thought. Yeah, we yeah. Do yeah. So yeah. Like we fire over to some of the networks and say, "What do you think it is?" Well, no, it was basically it was back then. It was the BBC. Yeah. Really, it was the only avenue we no, sort of saw. But um, we sold a couple of gigs to like Little and Large, Sharp in Scotland, the New Year's Eve show, Hogman Sharp there. So there was a pilot with. David Copperfield, who used to be on with uh, Free McKay with Lenny Henry. Right. Yeah, so, you know, you a few gags here and there, a few radio shows. So you you would sell jokes. Yeah. So you mind, yeah. I'm curious. Can you say, or are you going to get HMRC on your back? How much <laughs> would you get for? Oh saying? God, you get nothing. Back then, this this was <laughs> this was 1982. The first gag I sold, I got ten pounds, and that was a sketch that lasted about thirty seconds. He's called Quickies in the trade, right. and I got ten quid for that. If they repeated it, you got seven pounds fifty. Oh. And that, that was it. It was very poorly paid. In fact, there was a gag I sold to Little Large, same price they paid. And a German guy, he was actually a Swiss guy, he was on German television. I got contacted by his agent and they wanted the gag. And they gave me a hundred quid. I got paid a hundred quid for a gag to be done in a German TV show by a Swiss guy. And the Bieber only paid me £17.50 because they yeah. got repeated. But, um, <laughs> yeah, there was no way. They made their one-liners out there. Well, no, apparently the, the story, as I was told, is there were two major players in Germany. Right. This was guy's called Rudy Carell. Maybe I should have known him. And another guy. Oh, sorry, guys. Right. And essentially, um, what happened was they, they used to just steal the material from Britain. 
but then they got caught out because they were both stealing the same gags. Really? So then they started paying for them instead. And um, yeah, so there was no money to be made in that, but that was how we started then. Alex, my mate, he joined Was this as a double act? Like, have you performed as a double act? No, no, I hadn't like... performed at all at this point. But then Alex joined a theatre group, <coughs> a local community one on the Isle of Dogs, and um, I followed him into that. It was all, it, I basically followed him, really. And we went into that, and we did a couple of sketches in it. The guy run, he ran a gig in Bethlehem Green, and we used to turn up, we were both on a rock and roll, and we'd turn up, like, move a couple of chairs around, which meant we'd help, so we got in for free. <laughs> and we... That was the first time I'd seen what they used to call alternative comedy. And I, it just blew me away. I thought, this is fantastic. So this was, what, 82? This was 84. So the first kind time. of comic strip thing started. <coughs> they were a bit earlier. A little right. bit earlier, yeah. So alternative comedy was quite established. Yeah. There that. was a circuit going, very small in London. The comedy store was already going. Yeah. And I went and saw some acts there. And, um, and then the guy who was running it, who ran the community theatre group, he ceased to run the gig. So we took it over, brought in another guy we'd been to school with to help us run it. And we ran it. And essentially, we emceed it so that we didn't have to pay for an MC. We'd write a double act sketch to open the evening. Yeah. But then what would happen, um, I'd end up by default emceeing the rest of the night. It was three acts like tonight. And I had no material. So I would just go on and and talk and get laughs and that's why I've never I've been, I'm always fearless about just seeing where something goes because yeah. I've got shit loads of material now back then I had none yeah. and I was I was bold enough then with none so now I'm like Teflon Don you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, <coughs> and then what happened we lost that venue tried another one they couldn't get a full licence so we lost that then I decided I'm going to go and do uh, some open spots at that point, and uh, which I did. This was '89, and I did a couple. Then I didn't do anything for a while. Then we ran another gig. Sorry, that's got out of order there. Then we ran another gig for a bit, and then um, Alex went off to Canterbury to do some uni, like late in life as it was. Uh, so amazing of me. And then I went off on the circuit. And my first paid gig, I think, was June '90, um, and then it just went from there. It was quite rapid. Um, what from that and then getting onto something? <coughs> yeah, in in reality, I mean, like June ninety, if you say first paid gig, and five years later I was on. I think it's all yeah. over. But in the interim, I was doing a comedy store within two years and comparing it. There was, um, I don't know if you want to bleep it out, but there's a it's quite a funny story where I did the comedy store, and the the guy who was supposed to check you out, the manager, he wasn't there, and I'd had had a blind. So he said, I'll come and see you at another gig near me, where he lives. I go and do 10 minutes there. I had to run out because I had another gig. I didn't have a good gig. As it turned out, he hadn't made that gig either. So he said, because I didn't turn up, I'll give you a spot at the store. So I go and do a set at the store. <coughs> and um, he turned up and watched. And I improvised off the front row. I was supposed to do 20. And I improvised virtually the whole show off this front row, which was a, a, a fire officer and police officers and just improvised and weaved in a bit of material come off and he was like shocked because he yeah. thought he couldn't believe somebody doing his first set would mess about like that. Two or three weeks go by, I get a phone call from him and he says, Coom is a Scottish bloke. He says, uh, what are you doing on Friday, Saturday, Thursday? I said, nothing. Do you want to come and come to a comedy store? I said, yeah, okay. I turn up, I do the early show on a Friday. I'm sitting with Nick Revel, a fine comic, in the, the, the diner area and we're chatting and Nick's giving me some tips for the late show because now you've got the infamous late show to do. Kim walks in 
and he comes over and he starts ear rolling and then he suddenly goes to me Hurstie he goes have you not done a late show before and I'm about to compare one I went no he went have I been a cunt to you (laughs) (laughs) oh brilliant because he, he, he'd forgotten, he'd got caught up in our I blew it away when I worked there, yeah. and he forgot that I'd not done a late show, and just put me into MC, and forgotten that I'd not even, so I kind of let leapfrog. Yeah. Uh, was it a baptism of fire, or was you comfortable with <laughs> it? Yeah. Absolutely comfortable, not a problem. Yeah. Not Hence why you like to, like, even now, I mean, it's almost natural that you're accidentally setting these things up, because yeah. you've, you've been doing this for, you know, since... Memorial, yeah, yeah, and it was it was it was just fun. So that got me in at the store, and very quickly I was comparing a weekend a month there. Um, that was paying my rent. Uh, I had a day job as well for about eighteen months, three days a week. And then I, in the end, I looked in the diary, and I had thirty nights on the trot booked, and a lot of them were up north, up down my way. And I thought I'm going to crash if yeah. I've got to come back and do three days for work as know, well. Yeah. I'm going to wind up in a motorway bridge, so I had to hand me notice in. And then, of course, it's squeaky bum time, but then you look in the diary, because the last gig in the diary, after that, you're out of work, but it never, it always fills up yeah. again, you know, that's the idea anyway. That's crazy. Do you, with these ones, um, <coughs> do you want to get the local talent in? So you open that, or is it like you want to make sure that the quality's there? I want the performance? quality, yeah, yeah. definitely want to go with the quality, because I'll be honest with you, these rooms that I'm playing in, they're, they're too big to learn yeah. in. Um, I used to MC the store and you'd get open spots turn up and you'd say how many you've done and go four and as I used to say I said you'd come to the, you'd come to the comedy store to show out not to try out yeah. you know you turn it up to say this is what I can do not how do I do this yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and any new comic should be starting off in rooms yeah. that are like 50, 60 people yeah. and, and building up from there um, like my club we do a Thursday where they bring in sort of newer people, trying stuff out, but they're not open spots per se. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these people are invited in to the Thursday and they try stuff out there and, and try and progress into paid work with us. Um, it gives us the opportunity to see them. But we, yeah, it's, it's too big a room for open spots. And you, you, you're hurting them. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Up. They may never come back. Yeah, or yeah. Want, want you can kill them again. off. Their confidence could just get yeah, ruined, you know. Totally. One of the other people we've had on the podcast, Brett Goldstein, he's a comic and, and whatnot, um, writer. He, his story of uh, he did top five uh, worst <coughs> with his comedy gigs. Yeah. So ranging from the things gong like gong show. Um, was it the gong show at the comedy? Yeah, they did that after I was no after longer he playing. Said, he said that was kind of brutal. He said it went okay, but it was also uh, at utterly chaos. It, it, well, it's it's it was. It's designed, or was, I don't know if they still do it, but it was designed to give the power to the audience. And, yeah. Uh, Except you walked out to the all chanting, fuck off, fuck off, <laughs> well, we'd even got on stage. Yeah, pretty right. much. And like the, the um, again, it's pointless for comics to even attempt to do it. You know, if you're just a drunk guy thinking, I'll do it in front of me, makes yeah. you laugh, fair enough. But if you're an aspiring comic, it could do you serious damage. Yeah. And I happen to know, because I remember chatting to him back then, security at the store were pissed off with it because they said to me, all week long, we're telling people to shut up. Right, because they're learning this thing. Yeah, yeah. Learning, so and then and then on Monday they turn up and we have to step back and let them do what they want. Then they come on a Thursday or a Friday or a Saturday and start shouting. And then when we tell them to shut up, they go, "Why? When I was here last mm. night, yeah, yeah, I was able to do what I wanted." Mm. So security was not happy about it. Never. So bringing it up to sort of where we're at now. I know you obviously we've got about half hour with you because I know you know you literally yeah, I've got to go in half hour they've got their um, lights down <laughs> so 
Who are you shouting about at the moment? Who's, who's worth looking out for on the, on the circuit? Um, well, Andrew Bird, who I mentioned earlier, um, is phenomenally good. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> the guys tonight, I've got Craig Murray opening. He's the guy from the Plusnet advert, you know, the, right. the, the Yorkshire oh, yeah. uh, internet provider. Mm. Um, he's a great comic. Quincy, uh, Canning Town guy. Um, he's he's closing tonight. Great comic. Dave Whitney in the middle. Uh, very very strong compare. Um, Mio, who was supposed to be closing, but he's ill. Um, he's he's knocking it out of the park again. He's come for a few demons over the, over the years, and you know he's happy to talk about that. But he's really doing it. I don't rate hardly anybody on the TV. Um, yeah. The people in our the circuit is a meritocracy. On the circuit, you go on, you, you get on by how good you are. TV, you get on now by who you are with. Nepotism. Ne it's nepotism, it's placement. It's like, well, if you want this act, mm. this big name, mm. you've got to take this act right. as well, which squeezes somebody else out. Right. Um, you know, ultimately, <coughs> if, they're not, if they're not bad people, good luck to them, mm. but it's certainly... TV comedy is not a meritocracy, and I personally believe that the British public are being denied a lot of good talent that's out there. I mean, phenomenally good talent. I worked with some of the guys from back in the day. I did a gig in, in Seven Oaks a few years ago, and uh, there was a new lad on, Sean Walsh, who I, yeah. I do rate, mm -hmm. he's a good yeah, comic, yeah. and he went on. <coughs> uh, first time I see him, in fact, he said he'd come to see me at my club, and it was one of the things that got him into it. And he went on, and I thought, yeah, he's, he's good. <laughs> good. Yeah, he's got a lot of potential. And then Bob Mills went on, who's one of the old guard, and it was like, oh my God, it was man and boy. It was just, there was no, no competition whatsoever. No, no disrespect to Sean, because he was still yeah. very fresh, yeah. you know. But it was like, wow. In bed with me dinner, he's the only, <coughs> it's the only VHS I've never thrown away, mm. because that was one of the greatest things I've I mean, you ever. still got Emmanuel as well. I've still got that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I ain't going nowhere, mate. That's worn out, though. But, uh, <laughs> oh, that, that, when he, that in bed with me dinner show he done was just the, the timing of when he used to drop in some of the old footage, and it, it was just incredible. Like, <coughs> no, he's, he's just, as I say, that night, it was so, you know, the difference when you see it, when you see somebody who 100% knows what they're doing, go up on the stage like that and then you look at what else is going on and you go, well, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and, it just, yeah. and he just walked out there and he, he was in control from the, he hadn't got to the mic and he was in control, you know? And um, and there's a lot of comics like that around yeah. and they've not been given a shout. They've comics, I won't name these ones, but they were with a certain agency <coughs> that does um, Live at the Apollo. And this comic was asked to do the tryout at the comedy store. Mm -hmm. They manage him. And he was asked to do the tryout um, when McIntyre was running it. And they didn't put him on. And I've often wondered, and I'm genuine about this, I've often wondered if the, the reason they're not using certain comics on TV is that if you put on one of the comics that I'm sort of talking about, might show up, yeah. they will totally show up right. the others and realise what they've been shoveling down people's mouths for, for the past 10-15 years the talent's on the circuit if people want to see good stand up go to the circuit get out there and so, go see the circuit stuff to sort of 
to, to sort of finish things up then if they do want to come on the circuit and they want to see exciting new communities where can they find out about what, what you've got lined oh. up for a minute <coughs> with mine it's the very boring leehurst.com yeah uh, nice and simple <coughs> I've got it for that for when the Alzheimer's kicks in because <laughs> uh, my memory is fading rapidly uh, so I've just got to look at my driver's license and say it's a website something to do with that um, but yeah so I, I put in the local comedy club stuff on yeah. that and uh, through there <coughs> you can get uh, a link to the Backyard Comedy Club in Biffin Green where, yeah. where we do stuff you there find out well. all your other shows that you can put yeah. in the local comedy yeah. clubs as well that's yeah. amazing well, Lee thanks so much for no, your yeah, welcome guys mate, Thank and, you. Uh, good luck tonight cheers hope and hope you get better I hope man. I cough less as well <laughs> cheers I'm <laughs> very much thanks, very much relying on Dr Theatre to get me through excellent <laughs> thanks a lot mate so I hope you enjoyed that our time with Lee thanks again mate for coming on go and check out his gigs his new local comedy gigs in and around the areas um, as I say they're kicking off in Sittingbourne Faversham Herm Bay Chelmsford Grays and Rayleigh um, and also obviously his backyard one which I believe is East London it's been a while since I've I've been there Bethnal Green I think um, don't forget we're also doing a live show at the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen Saturday the 28th of April, it's a matinee, it's like a midday sort of affair. I think we're kicking off around about 2 o'clock, doors open at 1.30. Tickets are only 10 quid and it will be a lot of fun. We'll have a lot of different guests come on who have already been on the live show. And then afterwards we may well go and have a cheeky little drink with you lot. So come and join us. Um, you can get tickets on ctickets.com. Um, and search for hard Hardcore Listing Live Matinee. And that's all for this week, folks. Um, thanks so much for your listening and all your support. And, um, yeah, take care of them. Bye-bye now. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing the podcast hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.